Hello and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. My name is Craig Booker. The title of this episode is Strategic Habits, Start, Stop, or Pivot. A lot of the material for this week's episode was inspired by Pastor Craig Rochelle's book, The Power to Change, Mastering the Habits that Matter Most. Note, I will talk a lot about mental health, but please note this is not a substitute for therapy or mental health care. I am not a counselor or physician. If you need help with mental health challenges, please find a qualified mental health professional. One thing to note, this chapter in his book is titled Your Habit and a Plot Twist. That's fine. I just adapted it for what I believe is more appropriate for mental health, and that's why I changed the title for our purposes. But it's very similar to what he lists. Just want to make that clear where I'm at in in the book in case you're trying to read or follow along at some point. All right, what habits do you need to start, stop, or pivot to reach your goal? Like whatever that is. That's a question I'll start with and it'll make more sense as I get going. Often when we try to implement positive change in our mental health, we fail because we take a a trying approach. We attempt to change by exerting effort in the moment. Based on our previous episodes, we know that trying often leads to failure or burnout. And we must implement a training approach that requires discipline to reach our goals. That's a summary of several weeks. It's not all that simple. I'm just trying to give a high-level view of things that we've learned. We've talked about the differences between trying and training. And I won't go into detail about that, but you can go back to YouTube and review those if you'd like. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about strategic habits. You know, a big part of the process of us trying to improve ourselves is not just exerting effort in the moment. Um, So a big part of this process is identifying strategic habits that will lead us to our goal. I may have a goal of ultimately trying to get better sleep to reduce my anxiety. So I'm I'm trying to improve the quality of my sleep with a long-term objective of lowering my anxiety. If that's the context, right, my strategic habit might be trying to go to bed at 10 p.m. every night, right? And that may be my strategic habit. That's just an example. And every night I'm going to do my best to get there by 10 p.m. And so that's the habit. The goal is I want to reduce my anxiety by improving my sleep. But a lot of times we like we set a goal and it's it seems real big and far off in the distance. And it is it, any goal that we set should require a lot of us. Right. It, it should be a big step or we're probably playing it safe a little bit. So if I'm trying to reduce my anxiety and I'm going to try to do that by getting better sleep, my strategic habit may start off as simple as I'm going to do my best to get to bed by 10 p.m. every night and I'm going to get up at the same time every morning. Maybe that's 7 a.m. So maybe that's my strategic habit. I'm just trying to do that every day as much as I can. So, you know, this will apply to any other situation. You just got to figure out what your your big overarching goal is. We we have to learn how we know when we reach that goal. And we talked about that as defining our win. That's how we know when we're being successful. Uh, But we also need the steps between here and our goal to get us there. And that's our strategic habit. And usually, and what Pastor Craig says in his book is, you know, to focus on one. Don't try to do everything all at once or you'll get exhausted or tired or experience burnout and you just won't get anywhere. You'll just end up frustrated. Start, 
simple and do one, right? And he talks about habits start and stop. If we're starting a habit, it's something new. And so that's why we don't want to start, in most cases, multiple new habits at once, because we'll spread ourselves too thin and we'll burn out. So we may start one, which mine in that case might be getting to bed by 10 p.m., getting up by 7 a.m. every day. And so that's the one that I want to start. So that's my example for this. We'll use that here. But, you know, sometimes a big part of it is just identifying what these strategic habits are for our situation, what habits are going to help us get to our end goal. And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes it's really plain and simple depending on your goal, but sometimes it takes a little bit to figure those out. And so sometimes we might believe that a particular habit is going to get us to our goal. But after we start it and start working through that habit, it just doesn't work. It's not going to get us to our goal. And we finally see that once we start doing it. So I talk about start. The strategic habits that will lead us to our goal are not always obvious. When it comes to mental health, what works for someone else might not work for another person. This can easily paralyze a person, especially if you tried something and it fails. And just after that, you may relate to this, that feeling that you have, you're just really just, I don't know, it's like you wanna grip something, you just don't wanna try something right now, you don't feel safe. Sometimes we have to start somewhere and be willing to make adjustments until we find the solution that works for us. This is stuff that I've added that was not in his book. Let me be clear about this, okay? His book is really pretty straightforward on all this material, but this is specifically about mental health. And like I said, what works for you know your friend or your cousin or whoever may not work for you. And you shouldn't be discouraged when that happens. You know, someone would tell me and they would say, oh, so-and-so tried this and it really worked for them for their anxiety. And I would go off and try whatever it was and it would just fail miserably. And I would feel like there's something wrong with me. And that's just not true. It just doesn't work for everybody. So I made adjustments to the material to add this in because it's really important because you can get really discouraged. Uh, we're also going to work on something that we're going to stop. Like we're going to stop a habit that we're doing right now that's not helping us. Quote from Craig Rochelle, what do you most need to stop doing to have what you want most? And I apply this to mental health. This material is so broad, it can apply to a lot of areas. There, there are typically many things we know we need to stop doing when it comes to mental health challenges. We have habits that will not lead us to our end goal. If we aim to get more sleep, staying up past 11 p.m. won't be a helpful habit. If our goal is to reduce anxiety, ruminating, or just, just obsessively going over all of the worst case scenarios in our life are not going to help us find peace. These are habits that I've seen in my life, and that's why I'm pointing them out, that are not helpful. They're not going to help me get there if my goal is to reduce my anxiety. And if, my, if I'm going to do that through sleep, staying up till all hours of the night are, are really going to make it difficult for me to reach my goal. I'm typically a nighttime person, and so that's very easy for me to do. My brain kind of wakes up at nighttime, and I just kind of see it as this time when people in my, you know, my household are asleep, and it's peaceful, and I can get more done, or I can watch the show I want to watch on TV, whatever it is, right? But that does not help me towards my goal. It, it's really 
difficult and it requires discipline for me to say, I'm going to go to bed and get in bed at a certain time. If my stop goal is I'm going to stop staying up past 11 p.m., that would be a stop that I'm going to try to do to help me move forward. Okay, so we have our start and maybe my start, I said, was going to go to bed by 10 p.m. and get up at 7 a.m. So we have that and then we have the stop, which is stop staying up past 11 p.m. So on the, you know, on the weekends, it's kind of tempting to stay up a little bit later, at least for me. But everything that I've read is that I need to keep a consistent sleep schedule. That means that Friday and Saturday, I'm going to bed at very similar time as my weekdays. Uh, that's a little bit of a challenge for me. So if we're going to, I talk about in the notes, reducing baseline anxiety level by getting more sleep. I believe I've talked in the past, it wasn't on video about baseline anxiety levels. And so I want to be clear on what that means. Uh, baseline anxiety level, we all have it. And this is my idea. This is not Pastor Craig. This is not someone else I've read. I just came up with this over years of dealing with fear and anxiety. So baseline anxiety level is the level of anxiety that's kind of under my skin all throughout the day. Just how I'm feeling at the moment. Um, sometimes I I communicate this to my wife so she understands, hey, my baseline anxiety is really high right now. So if I communicate that with her, she knows that if she tries to ask something of me that causes me anxiety, she's probably not going to get the response she wants. You know, our baseline anxiety level, there are a lot of things that goes in, you know, what that level is. And a part of that is how much sleep and the quality of sleep you get every day. And I've talked about this, but it's new information for several. So I want to make sure and, and capture this and not just throw a term out there and not explain myself. Baseline anxiety level, like I said, is what you're feeling kind of underneath the surface throughout your day. It can be affected by the quality of your sleep or the amount of sleep. It can be affected by what you eat or drink. It could be affected by events that are going on in your life. You can't largely control those events, can't stop doing life, but there are things that you can do to affect your baseline anxiety level, and sleep is one of the biggest ones. You know, sometimes, like, if my baseline anxiety level gets really high during the day, I can do things to lower that, like get outside and take a walk. I can do things like maybe read a book, maybe write my thoughts in a journal. There's a lot of things that you can do to lower that. My goal is reducing baseline anxiety level by getting more sleep. My habit to start, you know, here in my notes, I said, maybe I'm going to keep a basic sleep log to monitor the amount and quality of my sleep. I've actually been doing this. I'm not just using this as an example. You could say I've been in training for my sleep probably almost two years now, trying to improve. I've been in training and I've been looking at this and I use different tools to track my sleep every night. And then I, you know, I look at it the next day. I keep it in my journal. And over time, I can look at things. I can look at this data and it helps me make decisions about my health. So this is not something, I mean, you can start it, and I've recommended several people to do it for a few weeks because it's a big commitment. Something like this where you have like maybe a journal or notepad where you keep note of when you went to bed, when you got up, how you felt, quality of your sleep. Did you toss and turn all night? That's the idea here. That My habit to stop, I said, was staying up past 11 each night. So these are the practical examples of start, stop, and pivot. Pivot, I said the sleep log was not working because I did not allow enough extra time in the morning, in my morning routine, and I put it off until later in the day. By the time I got to it, 
I would forget the details. My pivot was to get up 10 minutes earlier to allow plenty of time in my morning routine, giving myself more time in the morning so I can accomplish this sleep log. Now you're like, okay, that seems kind of counterproductive. You're trying to get more sleep, but you're going to get up earlier. To kind of offset this, I may have to go to bed 10 minutes earlier. But this is my example. In this example, trying to do a basic sleep log every day, and I tried to do it, and I just kept getting frustrated because I would be rushed in the morning because I was sleepy, trying to get ready for my day. I didn't get it done. I forgot to get it done. I felt shame for not doing it, put it off to later in my day. And then when I sit down to do it later in my day, I don't remember the times or how I felt. And you can see how this could lead to shame, discouragement, but it's wrong. All I need to do is pivot. And, you know, you may figure out that what you start with doesn't quite work and you need to adjust it to see what works. And that's what this pivot is. We're going to identify a start habit, a stop habit, and then sometimes we're going to need to pivot. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says the end of the matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Under pivot, Sometimes a person is taking positive steps to reach a goal, but they're they not working. Does this mean that we need to start from scratch? No. Sometimes we misunderstand everything that's that needs to occur to reach our particular goal. We start a habit, but maybe we go about it the wrong way. And that's when it's just time to pivot. And according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, a pivot is an adjustment or modification made as to a product, service, or strategy in order to adapt or improve. And that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to adapt and improve, to find what works. Sometimes we try to improve our mental health and the ideas we implement fall flat. And that's where I say that it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to lose our motivation. And we can't do this in our own power. We can't. Good luck. If you can, more power to you. I can't. And I bet more people are like me than the people that have it all together and can do it on their own. So we're going to need seek God for his strength and his power to keep going at this. As we're going through our training and we're trying this new habit, we're trying to stop other habits, we're making adjustments when we pivot, we're going to need to seek God through this whole process. God, this is not working. Show me new ideas to try in this scenario that may improve what I'm trying to accomplish. God, I'm just out of strength. I, I just don't want to do this anymore. These are real conversations that I hope you're having with God when you're going through this process, because he can handle it. He wants us to find freedom. He doesn't want us to stay stuck where we're at. So he welcomes these conversations. The start, stop, and pivot process can be tricky when we're aiming for certain outcomes. We know that behavior modification alone won't lead to anything lasting, any lasting changes in our mental health. Lasting changes require personal transformation. This transformation comes through realizing who we want to become, not merely fixing behaviors. This content is a summary of what Pastor Craig talks about. Okay, we're not going to make just surface level changes. We're going to become who God is calling us to be. We talked about our who not do. That's what Pastor Craig refers it, refers to it as, is we're going to focus on who we're becoming, not just what we're trying to do. What frequently happens is we want certain life changes, so we, we set a goal and try hard to make it happen. And when things don't happen the way we want them to, or as fast as we want them to, we get discouraged and quit. We try again later only to remember our past failures, and the cycle continues and often results in a person 
believing this is just who I am. This is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I've said that to myself because I've felt these things. I've gone at it this way. We know that using a trying approach is exerting effort in the moment is not enough. Before we try to make change in our life, we need to consider the cost. You know, setting a goal is easy when we compare it to what it will take to reach that goal. Our brains are wired to crave a win or some sort of sense of achievement. And for example, if you're a person that likes to keep lists, like to track things they need to do, you probably feel some sort of satisfaction as you check those tasks off your list. For you, the win is marking an item off your list. Like something happens in your brain, you get a little hit of dopamine when you mark something off your list and you're like, oh, that feels so good to mark that off my list. Likewise, we need that reward when we're trying going through this habit and our goal seems way out there in the distance. We need these little rewards along the way so we can keep going. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to see that I'm making progress, that things are changing because what I'm doing is hard. So we we have to figure out what our win is. And, you know, when we're talking about, okay, we have our goal and our goal seems way out there in the future. And so we're creating this strategic habit and we need those short term wins as we get closer to our goal. What this looks like is we make doing our habit our win. And this is something Pastor Craig talks about in his book. He says, make doing your habit your win, and you can win every day. If we focus just merely on the outcomes, right, like reducing, for me, reducing anxiety, if I just focus on that, that's really far out there, and it's going to take me a long time to get there. But I can do my habit today, and that's a win. And I can feel that sense of achievement by completing my habit. Because what I what we know is that if you keep doing your habit, then eventually you'll get to your goal. Said when shiny things grow dull, one of the most challenging things about reaching a goal is like the time between setting the goal, crossing the finish line. Specifically, it's right after that newness wears off, right? You set the goal, you come up with this habit, you're all really excited about the new routine and about the progress you're going to make. You start doing that habit for a little while. The newness starts to wear off. It's not quite as shiny as it was and attractive as it was anymore because you haven't seen any positive results yet. So you're just doing all of these extra things that are really hard and you're not seeing any progress yet. And it's really difficult. This is when it's really easy to quit. You know, if you're you're trying to get in better shape or lose weight, this is when most people quit. The routine is no longer new. It's not exciting. You forget why maybe you started this. It's like, oh, I'm just going to sleep in today. Pastor Craig says, you win when you make doing your habit your win. If you make doing the habit your win, you can win every day. So the goals that we're setting are far off in the future. They're kind of out there. They're lofty goals. When it comes to our mental health, it really seems lofty to say, I'm going to reduce my anxiety because you may have lived with this anxiety for years. And so it seems big. It seems challenging. So if we you know, set up these strategic habits, we make doing our habit our, our win. We can feel that sense of achievement every day or every time we're completing that habit. I listed in the notes an exercise. This exercise kind of goes back to earlier in my notes where I listed a, a something, a goal, a habit to start, a habit to stop, and then a pivot. Here's just another example that Craig Rochelle provide in his book. Maybe your goal is get closer to God. The habit to start is read the Bible daily or attend a small group Bible study. Habit to stop is hitting snooze in the morning or 
or planning things on the weekend that prevent church attendance. So the pivot here is, let's say I've tried all these things. I was not finding success trying to read my Bible in the kitchen during breakfast time. Maybe there's too much noise. Kids are going around. Maybe you have a spouse that's walking around. It's just hard, too hard to focus. Maybe instead, my pivot will be I'll move outside to my porch and sit on my porch where it's quieter, where I can hopefully focus better and see if that makes the difference. Okay, so this exercise is just identifying your goal your habit to start, your habit to stop. And then if that doesn't work down the line, recognizing when you need to pivot. Don't just keep doing it if it's not working. That's probably one of the worst things you can do is if you recognize this stuff is not working, make changes. So that's the exercise. Feel free to do that on your own time during your week. If you want to communicate that with me, I would love to hear it over email. Feel free if you want to share it with me and talk about it, happy to do so. But that is the exercise. And you can do this as many times as you need for whatever you're trying to change. Also, it says complete the following sentence. When I have an off day or a time when I don't win, I commit to do blank to stay on track. So we're, we're going through this process with these new habits. What do I do fail to do my habit? One thing you could do is tell an accountability partner so you don't miss more than one day. Maybe today you have a bad day. You get up, everything's hectic. You're trying to read the Bible but it's really noisy in the kitchen because kids are trying to get off to school or whatever the situation is. You don't read your Bible. You can't focus and you just feel like a failure. Like, what do you do if you don't want tomorrow to be the same? Tell your accountability partner. Maybe they can send you a text message in the morning. Maybe they can text you the night before. Maybe they pray for you and they text in a prayer to you. So the principle for this chapter is make doing your habit your win. Uh, you don't have to win every day to win. Ecclesiastes 7-8, the end of the matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. I mentioned here, you don't have to win every day to win. Greg Rochelle goes in detail here that it's not about being perfect. It's not about perfectly performing your habit or this process. It's about doing it consistently. So if you're doing your habit more days each week than you're not, you're winning. Say you do your habit four days a week, but three days, it just doesn't happen. You're winning. You see that? Because if you're anything like me, you would see that as failure. Man, I didn't do this habit three days this week. And you might start talking negatively to yourself because that's what we tend to do. And it's easy to get caught up in that and quit. So this is a little bit of a perspective shift. If we're doing our habit more times each week, then we're not. We're winning. Every time we do our habit, we're winning. We have to change our perspective. I have to change my perspective. I hope that you can see the shift there. It's not about doing every day perfect, because I don't know anybody that's going to be able to do that. It's about progress. Can you see that? What I'm presenting here is really hard. I don't want to gloss over that. You know, this is really hard stuff. That's all for this episode. If you would like to receive updates about future episodes of Overflow, head over to overflow.community slash subscribe. Remember, no one should face anxiety or depression alone. Join a growing community learning about brain health and following Jesus. For more information, head over to overflow.community slash connect.